Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. He's like, you know, I have office space above the cafe. You can stay there. And I was just so grateful for that. Just so grateful. So um, in exchange for that, I offered to help out in the cafe. And I think he had in mind just like cleaning or helping take orders. And he like said, no, no, it's okay. We have workers for that. And I was like, no, I want to help you make more money. My name is Spree Devora host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, where we are celebrating phenomenal women in tech around the world. Right now, we are in Los Angeles, straight up Santa Monica, where we're headquartered. Next month, we will be in New Zealand. Yes, amazing. But Today, we get to feature Ariana on the Women in Tech podcast. Hello. Hello. So, okay, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do here in L.A. Hi, my name is Ariana. I graduated from UCLA with a chemical engineering degree. I've worked in quite a few industries. I'm currently working on three separate projects. So the first one that takes the most amount of my time is a thermal energy storage startup company based out of Los Angeles. They're funded by the California Energy Commission, and they're using a really novel way to approach thermal energy storage by way of molten sulfur. The second project that I'm... And what's their name? Element 16. The second project I'm working on is Buddha. So that's an online platform to advance and develop and connect women in engineering. So... I host this online platform, um, local events. I've also created this 10-part boot camp series with almost a 1,000 slides of content from how to write a resume to how to negotiate your salary. And the third project that I'm working on is high-level organization, supply chain, project management, prototyping, consultation for a cosmetics tech company here in L.A. called All of Us. Oh, no big deal. Just everything. (laughs) And you also do a lot with the UCLA community. Uh, That's right. So I'm co-hosting a mentorship event on campus at UCLA tentatively in April. So we're going to work with Phi Sigma Rho, um, Society of Women Engineers, so these women focus groups on campus to pair current UCLA students with mentors in the community. So awesome. So So awesome. Okay. I have to ask this first. How do you manage your time? I'm actually doing also an online MBA too and what? learning Is it Spanish. The Seth MBA? <laughs> it's smartly, so that's a higher education startup. So crazy. Um, you should check out and my. And you're studying Spanish. What do you use to study Spanish? A Duolingo. So just you know, fifteen to thirty minutes a day. Um, so I'm currently fifty percent fluent I mean, in that. Is there anything <laughs> that you don't do? Um, I don't currently do coding, so I'd like to learn that. Um, so, so, okay. So what's your skill set that you infuse into all these projects? 
I think a lot of it is just transferable skills because I've worked in so many random industries. I've worked oil and gas, um, tissue engineering, HVAC briefly, refining, energy storage, railroads, home goods, consumer electronics. And I think a lot of that is from transferable skills. So how do you problem solve? Can you look at a problem and break it down into a lot of little steps? And, you know, what's the workflow in your head? first? Yeah. So the first step is to, one, define the problem. Is there even a problem? Because sometimes you think, oh, we have to replace something, but there really isn't an issue there. It's right. actually something completely different. So breaking down what is the problem. And the second, looking at what knobs can you turn. So what are the inputs to these problems and what's the outputs? Right. And then how do you optimize? Are there other creative solutions you can you can undergo to fix that problem or is it something completely different? So I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk's first principle thinking. So not trying to iterate, but trying to approach it from a completely different perspective. There's so many ways we could take this. Let's start from the beginning. When did you first realize you were in love with technology? So I actually wanted to be an artist up until seventh grade. And in seventh grade, I joined something called the Science Academy at Millican Middle School. And um, I wasn't a great student to start. I was actually, I'd say, pretty average. And then I just worked really hard, studied all the time and ended up acing all my classes. And um, I was considered the top student in the class, both the end of seventh grade and eighth grade. And I I discovered, wow, I love science. I love math. I love tech. Um, And then in high school, explored that a bit further. So started taking AP classes and started taking classes at the local community college just to learn more. Um, And I really admired the valedictorian at my high school that I graduated from, El Camino Real High School. Um, His name was Michael Lee. And he wanted to be a chemical engineer. And he was really infatuated with chemistry. And he like really turned me on to chemistry. And I started reading chemistry textbooks on the side and asking him a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I wasn't really sure what an engineer even did. Neither of my parents are engineers. I wasn't you blow it, my mind. I wasn't exposed like I, to it at all. <laughs> I feel like I just ate pop rocks. What? <laughs> no. It's awesome. It's a good thing. It's so like, funny. First of all, you're so charismatic. You got here insanely on time, which I really value. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you're Cheers. such the professional and you're involved in so many forward moving things. And you're obviously absolutely ambitious and a go-getter and curious. And I'm I'm experiencing pop rock. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Don't make my head big. So. <laughs> um, so I didn't know what an engineer even did. I wasn't even sure what a chemical engineer specifically even did. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't honestly I didn't do the research I should have to even apply for that major. Right. But the valedictorian was doing it. I trusted him. I really looked up to him and right. I thought, OK, I'll do that, too. Um, so applied to a few different schools. Um, Applied to MIT, Caltech, Berkeley, UCLA. Ended up getting into Berkeley and UCLA and waitlisted at Caltech. Um, I have a really funny MIT interview story and definitely the reason why I didn't get into that. But that's you a have whole. Have to tell us. <laughs> so um, you can tell us after. Finish this story. Okay, first, for yeah. sure. Uh, it's like I would approach that interview completely differently <laughs> now. Um, I couldn't even spot MIT on a map. So anyway, um, ended up going to UCLA got hyper involved in a lot of different stuff. I totally overcommitted my freshman year and ended up focusing mostly just on Society of Women Engineers after that, realizing I need to just focus on one thing. Versus- and now Society of Women Engineers yes. already existed. Yes. So they're a huge organization. I think they have 37,000 members just in the U.S. Um, they're they're really big. So um, I joined SWE my first year. So SWE Society of Women Engineers um, and then became president by my senior year. Got super involved in that, like loved it. 
I'm still longtime friends with a lot of the girls on the team. We still keep in touch. And they're actually the inspiration for Boot Up, which is the online platform that I run. It's amazing. So during UCLA, I experimented a lot in terms of different industries and learning different things. So um, I worked in a research lab for about a year and a half or two years or so. um, And I was doing tissue engineering and uh, got some funding to do that. So um, started typing a paper and realized, you know, maybe research and development isn't my thing. Like, not at all. I didn't like staying in the lab day after day. It wasn't so interactive. And I honestly just was not good at it. It yeah. was just <laughs> just terrible at the experiments. I felt like I was doing the same experiment every day and just not getting results. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll try industry. So um, my first internship was at Abbott Labs, and that was in HVAC, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I actually got flown out to Illinois for that internship. Nice. And my second internship was with Philip 66, so at their Los Angeles refinery, and I fell in love with oil and gas after that experience. Of course, I wouldn't? really loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised because I always, I, <laughs> I, I always thought, like, oh, okay, I'll go into biotech. Like, I was doing this tissue engineering. Abbott was a biotech company, and I was, like, specializing in biomolecular focus in the chemical engineering degree. So I always thought, oh, biotech is for me. But then after, you know, some industry exposure and some R&D exposure, I realized, okay, maybe I should try something else. Right. So I found that oil and gas was really suited to my personality and to just my drive. Um, For example, you can do huge results with just minor changes. Everything's like a spider web in the refinery. Just a small like pluck here has all these changes elsewhere. And it's, it's just a really cool, really technical process. And yeah, I just really enjoyed that that internship experience. And so that's downstream oil and gas at the refinery. After that, when I graduated, I got a full-time offer with an upstream oil and gas company here in California. So they're a joint venture between Exxon and Shell, and I really enjoyed that experience too. Um, And I decided after that, um, so that was located in Bakersfield. So I wasn't a huge fan of the location, even though I loved the work and I thought my team was awesome and I thought the company was great. So I took time off to travel. So I took about six months off from working, thinking I need a break. I feel totally overwhelmed from the amount of movement. I just need to, you know, hit pause for a bit. Um, So I went to a bunch of different countries just by myself, just rocked up to. Nice. Where'd you go? I went to Japan. I went to Korea. I went to a lot of different places in Europe, um, Israel. I went to Canada. Nice. Yeah, just hopping around. Yeah. You stayed hostels? No, I actually did. I was so scared. (laughs) It was kind of a bougie travel trip. So I I got all of these travel credit cards before doing this. So it it took about a year to plan this. Oh, you're a travel hacker. Yeah. So I just travel hacked almost the entire trip. So um, I stayed in random hotels and Airbnbs. And one of the nicest places was a five-star hotel right by the Louvre in Paris. Like totally travel hacked that entire trip. Um, didn't spend too much. I would. Amazing. I need to look through the finances, but I'd say I'd spent about seven thousand for what? that entire trip, including flights, In hotels. Six Have you? Or it was. It was actually like five months of travel, but six months off total. Uh, did you write a blog post about it or anything? Um, no. About travel hacking in general? I've been debating it, but I feel like there are so many more savvy websites on that. Um, So I was like, no, I would totally learn from you. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It was basically just staggering credit cards every three months. And I talked to my landlord when I was in Bakersfield and charged my rent on my credit card. So to get more points that way. Yeah. And I had a system in my wallet where um, I'd use this credit card just for groceries and this credit card just for this. And 
Yeah, I was. I became a little OCD about it. Um, whenever I do something, I tend to go full ass. So no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just went full ass, just planning this whole travel trip. Um, and just a total engineering approach. If I showed you my itinerary, like every single day was planned in Japan. It was really, really, too, yeah, it was too much. It was too much. <laughs> wow. Meanwhile, I get the plane ticket there and get my first night of a hostel. Right. And then I know nothing else. Right. Now, now I'd probably do something like that. But at the time, I was a little nervous because it's my first time yeah. like traveling solo. Yeah. So um, just way over prepared and over planned for that trip. Incredible. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, my gosh. You're this wealth of information and excitement and adventure. Oh, thank um, you. So, OK, wait, where do we go back? Uh, MIT. Oh, the MIT yeah. interview. OK, so the interview asked me how many balls could fill a room. And so that's that's a classic case study question, you could say. Yeah. Um, I don't remember my exact response, but I remember it wasn't too much more sophisticated than, oh, 100 balls, like not really right. asking any questions about, you know, what type of ball is it? Is it right. a football? Is it a basketball? Is it right. a beach ball? Um, do I account for the filled volume already in the room? Yeah. Um I didn't list any assumptions. Oh, OK. Assuming this room is 10 feet by 12 feet by, you know, 11 yeah. feet or whatever. Um, yeah. So no assumptions, just kind of just threw a number out there, mainly just being really nervous and not really knowing what was being asked or right. that it was a case study question. I think the only worst response to that would have been, what color are their balls? So yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then he pulled out a map and he's like, show me where MIT is. And I could not. I could not no. for the life of me point to where MIT was. And he had to just break down everything. And I felt I felt so terrible. So only two students got the MIT interview, I believe, from my high school. And the other student got in naturally. And yeah. I just obviously wasn't given an offer. But I mean, you know what's so interesting, though, is, yeah, you didn't go into MIT, but you went to UCLA and found this amazing program oh, yeah, of female no, engineers. Yeah. And it's it's like you were destined to. And now you do you continue to do work with UCLA. So it's, you were destined to be there. I think, yeah, what I'm doing now is totally an extension off of the experiences from UCLA. I'm so grateful and so happy I ended up at UCLA. I can't imagine what life would have been like at these any of these other schools. So I'm I'm totally happy with where I'm at. Let's dive into why you decided to work with each one of your projects. Let's start with oh, Element okay. 16. Sure. What attracted you to that one? How'd you find it? Sure. Um, so I found the two co-founders while working at UCLA on another energy storage project. So um, I swear, I think <laughs> you're the most ambitious person. Do you ever get tired? You, <laughs> you got tired the one time, then you went traveling. Oh, and then yeah. you overambitioused out your travel. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do to take time off? Like, um, really? I work out in the morning, so I'm on this kind of weightlifting routine right now. Right. So um, I work out between an hour and two hours a day doing that. Get and, out. Yeah. At what time do you wake up? Um, I've been trying to stick to a set wake-up time of 6 a.m., but yeah. sometimes I overshoot and wake up at 7, but... The goal is Loser. 6 a.m. <laughs> no, honestly, I feel like, yeah. So I'm trying to shoot for 6 a.m. each day, um, except for weekends. I try to take it a bit easier. Um, but I like doing restorative stuff. So yoga, going for walks, taking naps, like meditating. I try to get a full seven hours so of great. sleep. So do you, um, do you go to a gym to work out? or just, Yeah, you know? I go to 24-hour fitness. Nice. Yeah. It's so good. So Element 16. Oh, yeah. right. So um, I worked for this um, compressed air energy storage company out of UCLA that was also CEC funded um, 
So I was one of the four people who started on that team. Um, so I met Hamars and Parker while working at UCLA. Um, I believe Hamars was doing his postdoc there. And then Parker was doing his master's in mechanical engineering. And they saw my work there and really enjoyed working with me. And, you know, they wanted to hire me on. Um, so fast forward a bit, I worked in Australia for a bit and then came back to L.A. And I hit them up and I said, hey, I'm back in L.A. You worked in Australia. I love it. I worked in Australia, BS, by the way. No big deal. <laughs> what do you mean you worked in Australia for a bit? When was that? Um, so that was... What did you do there? I did business development for a railroad company there. Um, this is amazing. It was just a, it was just a short-term stint. Um, and then came back to LA and started working with startups and doing a lot more of that. Um, so I hit Hamars and Parker up um, after coming back, and they said that they needed you know an engineer to help yeah. them out. So... They contracted me out to help with the design and build of their new thermal energy storage plant. And you say you don't code. I don't code, no. So when you use the term engineer, what do you mean? Sure. Um, I'd say my skills are more process engineering. So um, think of like designing a plant. So selecting the specification, selecting the equipment, selecting, you know, the process flow, going through the failure analysis, going through feasibility analysis, Um I I do a lot of really random things outside of traditional chemical engineering, too. So I've done product development also. I've worked for um, a consumer electronics company doing product development and a home goods company. So I'm trying to get more into that. So my next skill to acquire would be SolidWorks. So doing more um, prototyping and product development. What did you major in in college? Um, chemical engineering. And you've graduated since? Yes, I graduated back in 2013. Cool. Chemical engineering. And okay, and then you have your your online boot coding boot camp. Yes, what is that? Or it's more of like it, what? Like how did you get into it? Yeah, sure. Um, so I partnered with my little sister on that. So she's nice. a computer science engineer. She's currently studying at USC. Wild, and both your parents aren't in. No, um, yeah, neither of my parents graduated from college either. So, so your sister just like followed in your footsteps. Um, I think she was really interested in robotics in middle school and then kind of continued that. But maybe I've had some influence in that. I'm not sure. We'd have to ask her. If you were my big sister, I'd be inspired. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, So I partnered with her to um, co-found Soap Boot Up, and that's an online platform for women in engineering. Um, So what we do is we pair women with mentors, and we also provide a lot of free resources like how to write a resume, how to conduct an interview, how to negotiate your salary. We also host professional development events in the community. Um, She actually had to drop out from being a co-founder due to her school commitment. So it's just me um, taking on the company right now. So I'm looking for anyone who would want to partner with that. How do you overcome obstacles? When you're presenting with a challenge, what do you do to overcome? And can you give us an example of an obstacle that you've successfully overcome? Sure. Um, So that's kind of how I got started consulting, actually. Um, So I moved to Australia for a job um, for this railroad company doing business development. And when I moved there, I got this, what I thought to be a beautiful apartment in a nice area of Sydney. And then when I moved in, it was fully infested with cockroaches. It was disgusting. No. And it was it was putrid. It was it was really bad. There were just mounds of cockroaches everywhere, like in the sink, in the bathroom, on the floor. Yeah. Like it was disgusting. And I had an air mattress. 
and I was not getting any sleep on this air mattress yeah, and they were crawling under and next to oh, it was it was gross. it was so disgusting this and um, you need to stay in hostel. It was yeah, it was it was bad. Um and my I was still waiting for my stuff to be imported because I actually imported all my things to Australia cuz I thought, "Oh, okay, I'm going to move to Australia." Wow. Um, yeah, it was a total total whim. Um Hindsight, I think I should look more before I leap into something like that. Yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So the place was just unlivable, and I called the company, and um, they set me up with one of the employees there. Yeah. And she saw it, and she's like, you have to get out of here. Um, So she brought me out of the um, place, like, with a few of my things. I left a lot of the stuff there, which I ended up tossing because it was just covered in, like, bug spray. I set off so many bug bombs. It was just... And it was just really hard to breathe in there. Yeah, Yeah, it was just not a good situation. And I went to Australia by myself. I didn't know anybody. I don't have family or friends there. I met some Australians traveling, but they weren't local. Yeah. So it was just it was just me. Um, And then I got lunch with her the next day and we were at this cafe. Yeah. And um, she knows the cafe owner. So she was describing um, my situation and he just felt so terrible. And he's like, you know, I have office space above the cafe. You can stay there. And I was just so grateful for that. Yeah. Just so grateful. So um, in exchange for that, I offered to help out in the cafe. Yeah. And I think he had in mind just like cleaning or helping take orders. And yeah. he like said, no, no, it's OK. We have workers for that. And I was like, no, I want to help you make more money. Yeah. So what we ended up doing was working together to change his name, change his logo, change his whole menu, change the entire interior decorating no like s- situation. Yeah. So it went from a dessert shop. Um to this like really LA type health food store. Yeah. So he serves like acai bowls now and um, salads. Did so, he make more money? Uh, yeah, he said he's doing well. I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah. he said, yeah, he's really, he's really appreciative and just completely rebranded. That's so cool. Yeah. It, and so he gave me the key and I was like coming in at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., redecorating the place. And we did like custom decorations on the wall. Um, so, yeah, and I did some market research in the area and there weren't any health food stores, but there were all these people who are obsessed with fitness and health. And I'm like, why isn't there anything in, you yeah. know, an X mile radius or an X yeah. kilometer there yeah, radius? Yeah, yeah. So decided it would be a good move and it turned out to work out for him. And that's your dream to essentially do that? Or that kickstarted my interest in possibly going into consulting because I still had a full time job. Right. That, so I started work um, like three weeks after that. And while I was working, I was still helping him out at the cafe um, and then figured out, OK, this full time job wasn't really that challenging for me. And I was still wanting to do other things. And then there right. were opportunities to come back to L.A. Um, and work with these different startups and maybe create. So there's just this itch to create. And also um, I was homesick, too. So. You know, on top of the job not being challenging and being homesick and just an urge to just start doing something and making moves, I came back to L.A. Nice. Yeah. And now you're here. And now I'm here. Blowing our minds. <laughs> it's, you're amazing. How can people connect with you? Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. I will respond to any message. Um, and email is good, too. So arianathacker at gmail.com. And we'll include all that in the show notes. And how can we find out more about your work with UCLA and mentorship? Sure. Um, I have a site for Boot Up. So that's bootupinc.com. So B-O-O-T-U-P-I-N-C.com. There's a link to the mentorship event if you want to attend uh, and maybe partner with some students there to mentor them. Uh, We also do a weekly newsletter, too. So that gives you all the updates. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast, for showing us what true ambition, hustle, and drive is, for showing us that anything is possible, which is what the show is all about. 
I think you're an absolute just magician and inspiration. <laughs> you are pop rocks. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I will talk to you guys, see you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Remember to say hello at Women in Tech Show on all the socials, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Bye. Ta-ta. UpGuard. One of my favorite companies in Mountain View combines asset discovery, security ratings, and vendor questionnaires for the only complete cyber risk solution. Not only do they keep us safe online, they empower women in tech internally. They focus on hiring female engineers to make sure that we rise to the top. So I welcome you to take a look at their job opportunities from Mountain View to New York, New York, to Sydney, Australia. They are a company worth exploring. Their mentorship culture is magnetic. Mention the Women in Tech podcast when you apply. Just as they celebrate Women in Tech, we want to celebrate you too. So make sure to let us know when you've reached out to UpGuard and we'll make sure to feature you on the Women in Tech social channels. We believe in you. UpGuard.com. Visit them for yourself. You'll see exactly what I mean. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com and just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.